0: I'm B. And I'm B. And And this this is Homestead Homestead Happenings.
1: Where every week we bring you along on our journey to self-sufficiency.
0: And bring you exclusive interviews on all things Homestead from people around the world.
1: So hit subscribe and follow along with us.
0: Let's Let's learn. learn, let's Let's grow. Let's go.
1: I'm B. And I'm B. And Today we are going to be talking about living off-grid. Um, it's going to be a little bit weird today because we were supposed to have a special guest, but unfortunately um, she was not able to do this today, so we are going to have a part two and we will discuss her off-grid living in Alaska as well as her past off-grid living in the Ozarks. but. Due to significant snowstorms and the nature of her business, she is not able to attend today. Never fear, we live off-grid, so we can handle this. I feel like we have the topic covered. (laughs) Yes, so we're going to discuss some things in this uh, personally, and then when she comes on, we'll discuss the other side of things. And so I think that'll give a, a good part one and part two. So... I say we just dive right in.
0: Yeah, let's get it.
1: So, I would like to st- start off by going ahead and doing the um, playing the the both sides. <laughs> we'll talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, all that. Because I Lots think- of ugly. <laughs> I think part of the issue is people. Um, well, there's two issues with <laughs> off grid with off-grid living, I think, when I'm seeing people online or you're seeing people on YouTube and on TV and all these things. Off-grid is really romanticized. Um, And there's a huge, huge financial disconnect to the stuff you're seeing a lot of off-grid on um, content creation versus real life. And then the other issue is people are confusing off-grid living with, like, 1700s, 1800s. You know, they're, like, way back there. You know, you'll see people getting in arguments online, like, if you're off-grid, why do you have the Internet? If you're off-grid, you wouldn't be using a phone.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right, but everybody experiences off-grid living in a different way. Exactly. So some people
1: we're close with... They choose to have no TV, no, um, no generators, uh, barely any solar, just to charge a cell phone, totally nothing. And then we have some who have full solar systems and their house is just like anybody else's house. It's just, they just don't have that. Because being off-grid, being disconnected from the power you're sourcing your own power um your own resources your own water your own you're not on any utilities technically right so some people will take it quite extreme some people not as much um i'd
0: like to think we're kind of in in the middle
1: yes i would say we're a hybrid we do yeah. have the generator and we do run the generator we do not have solar we had solar on a greenhouse we have some issues. We plan
0: with, on getting that.
1: Yeah, and we have some issues with the inverter, so we do have some solar that we just need to fix the inverter on. Um, and we do plan to put the house and everything on it, but our house is wired for electric. The generator's fed into the. Uh, you want to touch on? I don't actually know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the generator is the breaker box. The, yes,
0: it's it's just we I have it wired into the breaker box, so when I turn the generator on that we have I. I plug in the cord, and it powers the whole house, just like if I was hooked up to the electric grid.
1: And when we hook up solar, there's another switch in there, and it'll switch back and forth, and we'll be able to use it. Correct. And it is not an extension cord. No. It is a... Uh, Very
0: expensive cord that runs from the generator, and I have it drilled through the house. Like It's a, it's a big big setup. I mean, yes. we can show pictures of it. Yes,
1: we can put some pictures up. Um, so... We have the, t- you know, we have a TV, we have um, a refrigerator, we have a freezer, and do- does the generator run twenty four seven? No, no. But we do have friends who run their generators twenty four seven. We have some that run it overnight and never in the day. We actually run ours on a schedule, pretty much. In the winter time, barely at all. It's um, not needed. No, in the summertime. We're mostly running it to, um, we run fans on the rabbits, mm-hmm. we run the freezer and the refrigerator, but not 24 hours a day.
0: No. Now, our solar... And I'd like, just, we've had zero issues with food going bad. Yes. I, yes. I just wanted to touch on that before anybody said anything. We have never in two years experienced food going bad if we don't have the refrigerator running. We just know if we're going to get in the fridge, if the generator's not powering it, we're going to go fast. We just get in and out, and it stays fine. I will say we did have a freezer fail twice,
1: not because of that issue. But something to think about is this. The generator, the first one of the times, the generator was running that was not the problem the problem was the uh freezer cord came unplugged and we did not realize that so we ran the generator so it was
0: our fault it wasn't a disconnect from
1: but just keep in mind if you're not plugged in at this time we had two generators and so one ran on extension cords the other one, the big one is a whole home generator, and that's what comes in. We had the little one on. So, if you're running something like that, or you're running an extension, or anything like that, you've got to make sure you check your connections because yeah. I didn't. And we had a failure. Um, and so that is unfortunate. And the other time, unfortunately, was also our fault, but the generator was not about the time. Uh, but we thought we turned it on, we left, we didn't think anything of it, and we did not check the oil. And the generator the generator ended up shutting off and then it was off for too long because it would at that point was um, it was a couple of days I mean it was summertime it's you know very hot so just keep things in mind those were two simple mistakes that we have never made again and it was just a matter of you just going too fast or you know not paying close enough attention Uh, as far as heating goes most people heat with wood Um, we unfortunately do not have a wood stove yet and we do have a now now we went through some cold winters cold that's something to think about we had a plan plan didn't work so now we do have the propane um, heater but a couple things to think about when you're thinking about wood or propane propane is very wet so without the dehumidifier and things you deal with things like Excess moisture, which causes mold. So you just really want to be watching that. Make sure everything's getting circulated. And what they didn't tell us was the regulators freeze on your propane tanks outside. (laughs) So I was able to heat... I just heat my rice pack and put it on there. But that wasn't too bad of an issue until it was like... I don't know what it was. Like negative 22.
0: Yeah, it was horrible.
1: And so that caused an issue but now we've worked out the kinks with that we say all this to say you're gonna have kinks this wasn't all roses you know we had um, a certain um, a certain job a certain income level when we came into this we some things changed that were a little out of our control and that changed and so since these were things that were like yeah we're gonna do it at this time this time uh, we got into a tight spot there and so, yes, we have the propane and it works, but wood is you know, something we're obviously gonna be putting in, especially because wood stoves are expensive up front, but then you know, you can harvest the wood if you're like us off the property. You know, the wood's typically cheaper. Or the propane's cheaper up front, but it costs you more in the long yeah. term. So we'll be happy to have both. It doesn't have to be massive, depending on what you're heating. We have a shed-to-house conversion, so there's just not a lot of space we are heating, so that'll that'll work fine, but just something to keep keep in mind. Um, and if you're going to be using a wood stove, and you've never used a wood stove, before you move is the time to be kind of learning about that, because you don't want to get into a situation where you've got this wood stove, and you've got all this wood, and then you don't know how to keep the fire going if you're in your your learning phase, definitely do that. So you've got heat, you've got power. So you're using wind, solar generators, or you're using propane or wood, um, the electric space heater thing. And I say it like that because it's just really not safe. It's not a reliable thing. We do have other things like heated blankets, and they can run on our Jackery power banks. And that works out
0: great. We tried the kerosene heaters. Um, yeah, they, talk about that. They worked pretty good. Um, it's just really... I don't know. There's a lot of maintenance that's involved with the kerosene heaters, and they don't last very long. I mean, what what do you think, an average, like it's six like hours?
1: About, well, it would have been probably eight hours, but if you don't have it set just right, you're not getting a full amount. But those, if you have small children... Or cats.
0: They're dangerous.
1: Very dangerous. And they get really hot. And we actually... One of ours caught fire. Yes. On the outside. And why, I don't know. we would used it time and time again. We had two of them. It was no problem. Then, for whatever reason, that time, it just went up. And so, that's a lot. And when he says maintenance, I
0: mean... Yeah, you're you're out there, you gotta... Every week I was burning the wick to to clean it, and cleaning the whole thing, taking it apart, and it takes, it took a good three to five hours just to clean it every week.
1: Yes, because they do require you to dry burn it. So, you'll run it all the way till it's out, um, and, and then you've gotta brush it off and reinstall it. So, I would say, good to have on hand in a pinch, sure. But definitely something that you've got to read the manual on, to definitely be safe.
0: In the long run, I wasn't a fan of them.
1: No, and they do need a good bit of clearance. I mean, they need three or four feet in all directions. Yeah, I just um, didn't like them. Yeah, and they're very bulky, very heavy when they're filled. And the kerosene, um, we had to drive three and a half hours one way to go to the city um, St. Louis, to buy cases of it because everywhere near us was out and it was snowstorms and that's all we had. And and that was a big issue. That was a huge issue was availability and it is expensive. Two and a half gallons of it was about $25 plus tax and that only gets you eight hours. Two fill-ups. Two fill well, one and a half even Ish, by the time yeah. you're doing that. So that's just for us um, and we'd like you' all to think that that's just not a realistic way to be heating no. it's just not um,
0: it worked for one winter but that's I mean we've moved on to bigger and better things
1: yes the propane a hundred pound propane tank right now we can get it for probably about seventy five dollars
0: last a week or so <laughs>
1: yes our Depending neighbors on. are our neighbors can get about ten to fourteen days um, they have a different style and they have um a little better insulation it's theirs is more closed up they have way less windows so it holds it in a little bit better ours was only lasting like five days and so we are closing our house up finally (laughs) with the drywall but um again the wet heat um and they can't run a wood stove can just run that's the thing and the propane cannot. You have to give it a break. It can't just go and go and go. And you, uh, this was the, another thing about propane is you don't know what's in the tank. So it could just be out. So when you do these propane eaters, I would strongly advise getting two of the tanks. So when it just pops out on you, you can easily just go switch it. And then you know, okay, I got to go fill this tank. But just something to think about again the wood stove of course it's there it's ready it can go 24 7 it can last for years 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 so even though that initial investment is is you know quite insane um i would just do the research and get one that is really well made um or possibly even consider a cook stove and that'll do the you know that'll get the job done and just be a little dual purpose you'll be yeah. able to cook heat water all those things um, as far as water goes off-grid if you don't have access to rural water because you are off-grid your options are rainwater well water hauling water in Th- I mean that, that's, that's your options that's it. Um, maybe if you were gardening or something like that <clears throat> you can use, you know you'll be able to have ponds as another option. But, um, for you and consumption and all of your animals and everything, that's not something you can just rely on just, oh, I have a random pond outside. That's not going to work. Um, I would say we could talk about first
0: hauling water in. It's definitely been a struggle. Um, So
1: why don't you say cons to
0: hauling water in, and I'll say pros. Okay, well, cons I guess is it costs money. We have to first of all, you have in your community you have to find you know a fire department or a water fill-up station somewhere that's available for you to do it in the first place. We got lucky enough to you know use the fire department, but. Another con is availability. If they're even willing to come out and do it that week, we could be completely out of water. And they're like, well, we'll come out in a week or two.
1: We went a whole summer hauling water in summertime with all these animals and the garden. Um, and then the water filling stations broke. Yeah. And so we were very, 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 very fortunate. Um, and, Nate and Bailey, if you're listening, thank you very, very much for your help. Um, I know Bailey listens in, <laughs> but um, very thank you for your help being able to fill our, our um, tanks up at their home, because if not, we would have been a little bit screwed there. We were in a drought. The fire department wasn't coming. Everybody was on water restriction. We didn't have a trailer and truck to haul the big tanks. And so we were able to do that, and we did that for weeks, and it was absolutely miserable.
0: Yeah, but it did, I mean, it saved everybody's lives out here. Yes,
1: so grateful for them. But keep in mind, just because the water, you know, the fire department couldn't bring water, nobody could do it because they got a, put on a drought ban. So that could happen in your area. Um, a well in our area, you're talking 350 to 475 feet. And they really can't narrow it down any tighter for you. So, you know, that's we're getting quotes for $15,000, and that's just to drill it. Yeah. Uh, So then you still got to get the pump. And then if you get an electric pump, um, you still, you know, that's more expensive. And then you still have to have either a generator or solar to run it. If you get a hand pump uh, and it's that deep, it's going to be extreme. And, you know, then you don't have any water lines or anything, so it's still a thing. But, as far as, back to hauling water, pros. Um, Pros are, it's obviously cheaper than doing a well, and it's obviously coming from, um, depending on the town, because some of, a lot of the places around us, it's not, quote, city water. This It's actually wells. Um, But... Some have, you know, the city water, and so, I mean, you guys kind of got to think about that. Sure, it's immediately potable, but then you have all that other stuff in your water, too. So, you know, pros and cons there. But, really quickly, before we move on, funny story about hauling water. Mm.
0: Yes, (laughs) I know. So. I already know what story you got.
1: Alright, so once upon a time... It was our first time hauling water ourselves. Fire department was bringing it in, drought ban, we'd haul ourselves. We thought we were great. We thought we were cool. We talked to our friend. She's like, "Yeah, you just go up here to this next town over. Put it in. It's 20, you know, it takes quarters. 25 cents at a time and I'll give you 33 gallons at a time for 25 cents." She says, "I normally wear water shoes. It can get a little messy." <laughs> so, we're like, alright, that's weird. You know, weird flex. We don't. I'm in Crocs, you know, I'm in clothes, he's in clothes. We go up, you know, we, we think we're doing something, because we've got one of those little attachments that goes on the back of the Tahoe. Maybe that somebody would hold her coolers or something on. And we put in the back of our Tahoe to, um 30 gallon barrels, the drums, like the blue drums, put in two 30s in there. And then we have uh, three 15 gallons on this little thing. And then we also got four of the five gallon little jugs and one other 15. And they were in the backseat of the Tahoe. We're like, yeah, this is fine. We get everything out, we get there. And so
0: the first one <laughs> we do. I grab the hose, and she puts the quarter in, and it literally explodes out of the fire hose. I didn't know that it was going to be coming with the extreme pressure that it did, but nevertheless, it startled me. It exploded on me. I pulled the hose back. I completely drenched Victoria.
1: I about drowned. I about dry drowned.
0: So, and then I put the hose down and I was like, hit the shut-off switch (laughs) and I pulled the hose back up and she literally had to run through the stream of water and got completely drenched to shut it off. And then... Okay, so that's just the first... That was just like
1: our first... Did we get water in the barrel? The answer is no. Not that one. (laughs) So... We're like, all right, we obviously, we got to regroup. This was obviously something we should have been brainstorming, and we did not. No. So, immediately, I'm like, oh my gosh, she said I could get a little wet. It could get a little messy. I didn't realize it was going to come Lovely, out. it was a hot day. It was a very hot day, but it was, it, it, I, it was like being power washed. I mean, <laughs> it about blew me off the sidewalk. So then, we're like, all right, now we know what's going on. He's like, puts it in the barrel. He's like, I have control. So, I put the other quarter in. He did not, in fact, have control. I
0: did. I had control. I filled it up, and it was still going. So, I had to try to do the switch. I pulled it out real fast. Of course, another explosion occurred to get it into the next barrel. And then the water was done. And then we just had to continue from there. But And then, you'd think that the story ended there. We
1: got all those done. Alright. Newsflash. When you have a fire hose that is used to putting out fires with that kind of pressure, you cannot fill a five-gallon container. No. (laughs) He tried to do that, blew the containers up across the yard, and then I... Soaked you again. Soaked me again, and I had to do another shot. And I'll tell you this right now. At this point none of the barrels are all the way full okay so then we realize all right um we have two 30 gallon barrels in the back of the car there's no feasible way that we're going to be able to lift 30 gallons of water back into the car and we're going to have to fill them inside the car so what does that mean that means when you have a hose with that kind of pressure you need to have control we're like heck yeah we've got control this is no problem wrong oh He about blew the window out of the Tahoe about blew my chest out. And then the water stream hit me straight in the face. It was like watching those people with the leaf blower and their cheeks were just going like that. That was me, but with water at, at a velocity I can't even describe. So all that said and done, we're completely drenched. We're completely out of quarters. Not one barrel that we got was full we discovered that most of the five gallons that we brought had holes in them. Tahoe is soaked. At that point, we just drive away. It was fun. It was fun. It was a story for the books. We got did, did we get home and people got water? Yes.
0: We had water for a few days. We
1: had water for a few days. Did we go back and do it again? No. No, no we did not.
0: Um, Never will I.
1: No. So, at that point... I tell my friend and I'm like hey what the heck and she was like oh yeah it does that I told you it's gonna get a little messy and so all that to say keep in mind that actually hauling water yourself although it can be a funny story probably not the best move but another big con I would say would be the wear and tear on the vehicle
0: as far as hauling it in yourself. Yeah. yeah. All the extra miles and, and weighing it down heavily depending on I mean no matter what you have it's gonna weigh it down because water is very heavy.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, we gotta squeak now.
0: We gotta squeak now and it's just something that we're not gonna be doing in the future.
1: So <clears throat> so now that's over, um you're probably wondering, um, well, you're in the Ozarks, rains all the time, you know, get an average of sixty inches a year, where's rain catchment? Good question. I'd love to tell you. (laughs) So we thought that we would have our rain catchment set up much sooner. Um, we had got the gutters and things. We had some issues with the tanks. Now, uh, we did have some rain catchment, but not enough for the full capacity of what we needed. Um, because we have so many animals, and us, and the garden, and all of those things, we plant the trees, we're using so much water for the setup that we had had. Now, we will have the big tanks off of the main house, and that's going to be great. That's um, going to be more affordable, more realistic if you're in an area that it rains all the time, and a free resource. We will have that up now, finally. We'll have the gutters up on the house and we have enough tanks to put up. We will also have rain catchment off the rabbitry, the chicken coop, um, the shed, and the goat house. And that is gonna be huge in our water needs moving forward. But before then, we did not have enough capacity. If you cannot do a well, you'll definitely want to get rain catchment set up hauling water in should not be your your first choice and your only choice and if you have the rainwater, you have things like that you'll want to also be thinking about water filtration Um, how are you, you know are you gonna use a Berkey are you going to have something set up under the house are you gonna run it through pipes are you gonna carry it in is the house gonna be dry You need to think about all those things and what you're going to do. And another thing you're going to have to think about what the water is. Are you going to have it on one of those 12 volt pumps? Are you going to gravity feed everything? Because being off grid, even the 12 volt pumps, I mean, they got to have something. So gravity is, is the key. We have our water tanks up on the, on the hill part and facing the downhill. And then we elevated them on some pallets and stuff. When you turn them on, they have a little bit of a tilt. And the water just zooms right out of those. And we'll be adding hoses uh, yeah. to all of them. Now, adding hoses to the blue 55 barrels is much easier than it is to add it on to the big tanks. Just because you can just pop in the spigot. Yeah. Now, um, I will say to... Um, with the um, garden and the hoses and all those things are people don't realize you know they tell you oh, the first thing you should do is you know get your get your fruit trees and you know you get your chickens and all these things but the amount of water that is needed I mean 15 gallons a week on each tree Adds up. So if you only have one 275 gallon tank, you do not have enough water capacity, um, you know, lots of times for you and even just the garden. And then you start adding up. Heck, I think we used, in the summertime, we calculated, what was it, like 100 gallons about a day? I mean, a
0: little more.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have, you know, the pigs, they'll go through 55 gallons of water. In, in in the day I mean that's, that's a lot so just something to think about we have a lot of poultry um, you really get water conscious is is a big thing as well now we've covered water covered heat you know we talked about a little bit of the electric I will say a few other things um, no matter what system you're using off-grid, there's some things that you need to think about. Such as, if your option is, you're going to use a generator, you're going to use solar, those things will go down. We've had times where you know, generators gone down, and then what? Then we've got to go, we've got to do swaps, we've got to run all over the place, what if it happens and it's 115 degrees outside, or what if... You know, we went through a period like this year where they were sold out everywhere. We drove for hours to try to go get one. That's something to think about. Um, another thing that, we, you know, you need to think about. We that... have we have
0: backups for that, though. Yes. And we have, uh, I, I'm sure every almost everybody's probably heard of Jackery's, the portable power banks that are...
1: Like a Blue Eddy and yeah.
0: things like uh, that. We've got two Jackery's that have absolutely saved our life. Over and over, time and time again, for the last two years. We
1: highly recommend you have some type of power bank. They can charge DC in the car. They can charge with their solar panels. They can charge plugging into an outlet. We um, use them every day. Yes, and so that that's that's huge. They have new ones now. They've got ones up to you know we've got a thousand and a five hundred watt, but they've got them up now. Um, something to think about would be. Um, all kinds of things, how you brood your birds, how you start your seeds, um, how you raise babies, um, you know, for rabbits or, um, pigs or goats or whatever you have is going to make a difference. Garden. Starting seeds is different. Um, if you, uh, one option would be to winter sow winter sewing, you can rely on the greenhouse effect in the container you're using and we do have an episode on the podcast about this you can go back and and, uh, check that out it's one of our first episodes and you can use those as little greenhouses they can be insulated by the snow all those things that can help get you a boost you can use a greenhouse and covers to try to protect them from that and and to bring in that heat which we did and um, had, you know, for 2021 and for 2022, and that worked fine. Yeah. We winter sowed and started seeds, and that worked fine, and we didn't add heat. Or you can add heat, as the heat mats only use such a very minute amount of power. You can run them on battery banks or the generator or solar. They don't require much at all. But for people who don't have solar, battery banks, generators, all those things, you can do things like cold frames and just creating that greenhouse effect to get them hotter. Another option is to support another homesteader, another farmer, anything like that by buying seed starts from them. Um, and, And you have then that option. If you are wanting to start some seeds, Mary's Heirloom Seeds is a wonderful sponsor of this podcast and she is got she has so many seed combo packs that are available and on a discount. All you have to do is put in seed combo 22 at checkout to be able to honor that discount. You can also um, go on and find that anything that you need individually and she's got some new arrivals coming for 2023 so that'll be a huge thing you can go on and get the seed starting packs on there and we've had no problems with them she even has the containers she's got the labels everything so she's awesome she always supports so i highly encourage you to run over to mary's heirloom seeds And at checkout, on any of the seed combo packs, you can get 10% off by seed combo 22 as a code. So, we do start a lot of our seeds. That way, we will again this year. Hopefully, in the future, we'll have a heated greenhouse. We're between a heated greenhouse and a wallapini, but that's another episode for another day. Um, And as far as brooding birds, our incubator runs off of the jackery. Just fine, or the generator when it's on. But actually brooding them and the heating aspect of it, um, we really don't provide heat. There we're brooding enough birds at one time; it's been no problem. We noticed that we had an issue with the quail that was turning into a fiasco. They were in and out of here. Um, they hatched. They were in the brooder for a minute, and then um, it just wasn't going to work for our for us, I don't think so. The neighbor took that over, and
0: we have various stages set up for the birds. So,
1: yes, so um, they're in a really they're in a smaller area. There's more of them when, and it's it's more enclosed. We do have a heating mat, and we do have brooder plates. We don't use any heat lamps whatsoever for fire hazard. They the jackeries and the generator will run those. So if we're brooding birds over the winter time. And it's just we absolutely need to do it they're not feathered or whatever we can but we're really trying to work on that resistance and so far it's I mean it's been really good our um, fall birds for last year um, nothing we only heated two nights that dipped really low um, when they were when they were uh, first done and this year for spring and summer uh, we did none and our this last batch that we've got we did none now we've got a batch in the incubator that are due to hatch and it's getting so cold that overnight they're going to uh, be needing something and we will likely just run them on on the jackery on theirs we'll see you can also do other things if you don't have that option such as boiling water and heating water and putting it into, like, a Folgers uh, container and doing that. That does work. And uh, Megan, our dear friend over at Living the Height Life, she has a lot of social media. You can check out all her things. She does the heating up method, and we've done that, and that is what we'll start with this this winter. Um, another option, um, and we then we move them out to the stage stage two and they've got more room but it's heavily strawed and so on and so forth as as they're feathering out instead of having them out in open air tractors or giant coops or anything like that another thing is with rabbits a lot of people want to provide heat lamps or do those things over the nesting boxes rabbits actually do really well in the winter they get their fur pretty quickly and when they do get that they can withstand the same negative temperatures as their um, you know their mom so for us we do a heavy straw in the nest box and with as many babies that are in there and all that straw and the fur that keeps it that 100 degrees that they really need so we don't add anything there Part of the reason that we chose the red wattles is after talking to so many people, they were not needing additional heat when they were doing those cold, um, cold breedings. They're having large litters, so we didn't deem that necessary. Everybody gets straw down. Ducks are extremely hardy. Love them. The cats get uh, straw. I mean, that's really what we, what we kind of work with. Just trying to keep everything kind of draft
0: free. They have a shelter. The cats have a shelter at night, so they go up in the barn
1: yeah so uh well, our barn
0: it's, 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 it's barn enough for us, <laughs> so it's a, it's a fairly large shed so
1: that that's another option. Another thing is we don't have the liberties of being able to manage heated waters um and all those type things. So we switch to the rubber bowls, we do typically multiple waters throughout the day, um, but these are all things that you have to be thinking about. Um, (laughs) even down to you know how you're gonna cook are you gonna use wood? do you need to have propane do you have a solar setup that's big enough to power a standard oven which is (laughs) news flash it's a lot (laughs) so there's all those things that you've got to keep in mind if you want to run an instant pot or think about your food preservation off-grid requires preparation it's intentional do we love it yes Are there hard days? Yes. Are there days that it would be easier to be on grid? Absolutely. You just have to believe in in what you're doing, or it's just you're you're gonna you could feel overwhelmed. I would say prepare, 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 basically. Basically I would just think that going into it, think of your options, think of your goals, think about what you need to do, and take that route and go forward. It's absolutely doable. It's absolutely doable in any environment. It's absolutely doable on any level. This is also going to come down to a lot of financial. What can you afford? Um, I would like to kind of turn it over to you to get some final thoughts, to get some little key points. And then um, we know we can talk about that. As for part one, these are kind of the things we wanted to nail before we expand into part two.
0: I guess, in in my opinion, and what I've experienced in the last few years, there are going to be hard days. I mean, not every day is going to be a, a walk in the park. It is a lot... I mean, there's just a struggle with keeping everything going on a daily basis. I guess I can say that. But it is very rewarding knowing that we're doing this for the reasons that we're doing it and I mean I don't know really what else to add besides just you just got to keep your mindset positive and just push through Uh, every day is going to be a little bit of a struggle but it does get easier I guess it is an adjustment it's an adjustment and it's harder in the beginning and you've got to really find it in yourself to just push through the hard days and look where we're at now
1: What would you say is the hardest adjustment from being in town to being out here?
0: For me, personally? Yes. Probably the water situation. The power thing didn't really bother me as much as I thought it would. It is irritating with the generators. Like We can be right in the middle of a movie and the generator goes down because it needs oil or we're running out of gas. I digress. Oh, I,
1: well, and the gas prices right now. But we won't yeah. get into that. I think it's pretty obvious. It, yeah, but, that, it is
0: what it is. But yeah. that's probably my only complaint about the generator. Um, I do want solar. I hope we get it fast as we can. Um, that would just be... It, the prices have went up significantly, so we're just waiting for the right time to do so. Um, but I guess, anyway... My biggest complaint is the water situation. I have always in my entire life been a two-shower-day guy. Um, I'm used to a a regular toilet. I'm used to all those conveniences.
1: Well, we didn't even cover that. Yeah, you're right. We do have a compost system. Yes. Or you could have a septic system. You could have an incinerator. Um, composting could be with the actual compost. Maybe you have a nature's head or maybe you have an outhouse or maybe you're using a bucket.
0: I, I mean, there's so... maybe you just driving to town every time you have to go. <laughs> but regardless of what everybody does, that's an adjustment as well. But you get used to it. I'm still not used to the shower thing, but hopefully we get something in place to where it's a little bit more convenient.
1: Yes. And what, do you, what he means by that <coughs> is for us... We don't have yet on-demand hot water. We don't have water lines. So you have to go to the tank and you get your water. You have to manually heat your water. And then you have a manual shower head. Yeah, we have a
0: shower head. and I mean, we take a normal shower. It's just not as convenient as going into your bathroom and and turning on on the shower in a shower. But whatever. I've gotten used to it. I still wish it was a little bit more convenient. But that's just personal, selfish reason reasons. Yeah.
1: For when the bathroom is totally finished, it'll all be gravity fed and all that's, you know, that's fine. We'll have the on-demand, but again, it comes down to you might think your financial situation is one way, and then once you get into it and things change after you've moved or or something happens or you have emergency after emergency and it starts depleting those funds, you have to pick, okay, are we going to be This able-
0: lifestyle is more expensive than you think it is.
1: That is huge. We do have some uh, topics coming up about the financial aspect of this lifestyle.
0: It is. People. are not just going to be like, I'm going to live off grid. I'm going to get a shed to house and I'm going to live off grid and I'm going to be debt free and I'm not going to have any bills and I'm going to just be living off the lamb. No. It's not, not like that whatsoever.
1: Not initially. And, you know, some people who are, you know, absolutely debt free and everything, <coughs> even you see them on, you know, in content and stuff. They still have a phone bill. They still have... You know, they're paying for things like insurance. You don't just walk onto your property and mystically have a year's worth of food. You know, so you're still buying food. So inflation is still going to hit you. You're still going to
0: have things. It takes quite a few years to get to the point where everybody sees everybody at already at 10 years plus in. It takes that long to get to where it is like living a convenient, normal life on grid.
1: If you have the money... To buy a house and you just put on a full solar system for thirty fifty thousand dollars, and you can go, you know, you can call people in to, um, you know, put up all of your fencing and you can do all these things. That's amazing. It's
0: just not the That's case. Not realistic for every ninety five percent of the people uh, that are going into this lifestyle. I'm sorry, it's just not.
1: And I think that. The problem is, is because there is a misconception that it is cheaper to live this way. And that is not the case. There are some people who cannot be fully off-grid or, you know, things like that. I would say there's a big difference with, of course, if you buy a house and then you put the solar on it and then it's off-grid, that's going to be different to where we had raw land and put on a shed and we're off-grid. You know in a house you've already got the bones everything's done you're not also finishing the house and figuring out water lines and panel boxes and you know everything that you had was already up to code all you had to do was literally put you know put the solar panels up you've already had the well you've already had the those are it, it is a little bit different and you're not gonna have the same experience as somebody who's getting an RV And Doing it or somebody like us who has to shed the house and doing it even in the RV They've got like the showers the kitchen and things like that. We just had I mean just a square shell and we didn't have anything um, cooking outside um, outdoor shower outdoor facilities It's going to look different all the way around That's why it just so heavily relies on your financial stuff as well. We thought we were prepared we had money set aside we had money put in we had things bought emergencies happened that depleted and then that happened and unfortunately we have a lot of friends who also live you know by us or you know we talked to them and their plans went a little wonky or you know there there was a couple who had emergencies health wise um or physically and then they couldn't physically do the things that they had wanted to do and they had to shift totally. So just, I would say have a plan B, our plan P didn't work out as well as I thought. And so we had to have a setback. I mean, we were set back about 12 months and that's okay, but just keep those things in mind. Me personally, um, I don't mind that. I mean, I'm very laid back and in that regard, I would say my biggest, um, adjustment would be, the um i would say the cooking um the kitchen that aspect not having it immediately readily available um you know we i've been learning how to do more things with a grill that you normally wouldn't do and i mean It wasn't, you can't just hook up the Instant Pot. We had a hot plate at first, didn't have a stove, didn't have anything. Had the hot plate, we plugged it in one time, blew a generator. Mm -hmm. Blew the whole thing out. So that was a little difficult, not having counters. You know, you're kind of working with the table, and you're kind of reconfiguring. um, Not having a standard stove that you would have in a house. So there's just those kind of things. pretty much
0: got it down to a science now, though. I mean. Oh, yes. Now. I mean, now you're cooking just like cooking before, back when we lived in, yes. in the town. Yes,
1: and so. I do, I have a grill, I have the air fryer 7-in-1 that was a gift, I've got the the griddle, I've got um, a two-person camp stove that runs on propane, and then I have another two-person camp stove that has a little mini oven on it. Lord knows I can barely ever start the oven on that thing. I just use a grill. Um, but And then we do have a microwave um, when we need that, and the generator's on. So, but that took time. I didn't just have all those things. You know, right. so I would say that would probably be the difference um for me um fortunately now we have more things but that was my uh, that was my adjustment before we had some type of kitchen situation um close call runner up uh would have been um trash you're used to having trash service and they just take it away um, composting and things were, was a new adjustment, um, trash, the hallway. Um, we're working on trying to reduce, reduce waste. And we thought we downsized enough when we came here. We did not. We've still gotten rid of a ton of stuff.
0: So, but we've also collected being here for stuff that we need for here.
1: Yes. So it's like a trade-off. It was, you know, come and go type of thing. So just fruit for thought, um, Don't forget, just a few things before we go, don't forget to enter the contest giveaway. You'll go into Homestead Happenings with VB Podcast on Facebook. Join the Facebook group. In the group, make a post, why are you interested in homesteading, or a little bit about your homestead. And then you are entered in to win a $20 gift card from Mary's Heirloom Seeds, $25 gift card from Stark Bros Nursery, amazing time to get your seeds, get your fruit tree, you know, get that stuff going. You'll want to be thinking about that. The time that the seed catalogs, and all this stuff's going to be coming out, you know, you're in that December, January. And so we will be um, going ahead and stopping the entries on November 14th. Drawing will be on November 15th. So be sure that you get that in thank you all for listening. I know it was such a different episode today, and there's just so much to jam in. Um, We've reserved some information for part two, and when we bring on Rosie, she's going to be talking about her experiences off-grid as a, you know, it'll be just her, and everything that's worked for her, and how she's juggling all her businesses while being off-grid, and what she's able to do and not do. And we'll just discuss um, more things about gardening off-grid animals off-grid what's the plan she's also now in alaska so that's going to be way you know polar opposites on how to do those things in two different climates so i think that's going to be going to be pretty good i'm excited stay tuned for saturday where the episode will come out on sorghum syrup we're very excited about that we haven't we don't know anything about that and so maybe you guys don't either so that's going to be a huge thing to discuss and then next week we will be discussing quail so lots coming this is a huge month we even have cooking from scratch that'll be up before thanksgiving and then homesteading outside of the u.s so stay tuned go ahead join the facebook group enter the giveaway thank you for being with us on that note let's learn
0: let's grow let's Let's go. go